Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management on WTMJ. Morning, everybody. Here we go. It's Annex Wealth Management and Money Talk for Saturday, June 2nd. My name is Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald, good morning. Good morning. Dave Spano, good morning. Nice to see you, my How's friend. traffic? You get a little uh, w- a little, little traffic. It's good chilly this morning. 53 <laughs> you look degrees. like you're going to the beach. I know. I think <laughs> hey. I'm underdressed. Guy can be hopeful, can't he? I guess. You know, it's it's not a bad weekend. It's not at all. It was kind of an interesting week. You know, we were talking earlier. I mean, it was a roller coaster kind of a week. I mean, you want to go to Great America? No, just just ride the stock market. Exactly right. And a lot of this oscillation that's been happening is really about the emerging markets. And you know, you look across what's really happening. You know, currency crisis uh, in Argentina. There's obviously Brazil. There's fuel shortages there, uh, and obviously that has led into problems in South Southeast Asia, Latin America, Turkey and Europe. And that was the story early on that you and I talked earlier this week, but you know, Italy had an election and one of the one of the outcomes would be that if one of these parties wins that they might want to leave the euro and we've seen that before in italy is a good-sized economy i didn't realize it was large as it is well it's the fourth largest economy in europe behind you look at germany and france and you know you, you still got the brits in there so i mean italy's number four and so it's a big economy and, and when you think about what the europeans export automobiles we talked a lot about tariffs and trade wars this week so there was a lot of stuff going on dave but at the end of the day we got back to the fundamentals of earnings and employment, and those numbers were pretty good. They were good, and I don't want to leave that that Europe's uh, story quite yet because okay. the backdrop, Mark, is that uh, we're seeing a stronger U.S. dollar. Now, you take that stronger U.S. dollar on top of what you're alluding to, which is a great earnings season and a great employment report, and again, the United States is the oasis. It's the place that people can invest in, and that leads to this unemployment report that we got. Well, right, and and on top of all that stuff you, you you look at people that are working more right and so the gdp number they're expecting a 3% gdp i've heard the atlanta fed talk about a 4% gdp number in the second quarter that might be a little hot for the economy but the the fundamentals are what we get back to and that's where you start to see the market you look at a larger scope of the market you look at may as we as we move into june 2.4% on the S&P 500, the NASDAQ up 5.7%, that tech-heavy NASDAQ. You look at the small caps, and we can talk about that later in the show, Dave, about what's going on with different sectors and certainly different capitalizations of the markets, but the small caps are up 6% in May. So you look at there are opportunities around the world when you get back to the fundamentals of earnings and employment, 228,000 jobs. And that it, was a big number. It was. You know, and when I think when people hear this, and at least I'm getting some feedback, is they go, boy, you guys talk about what's really doing well. But 
when you have a balanced portfolio, that might be a sector, a section of your portfolio. Yes, small caps have done well. And yes, tech as a sector has done well. But overall, overall, you know, we're just oscillating. We're, we're really not having made a lot of uh, movement yet in the S and P five hundred. Only up about three percent year to date. Five percent all uh, off its all time high in January. So there is clearly improving improving corporate earnings. Earnings are expected to go up significantly again next quarter, and it looks like. Earnings is, are doing well. The economy is doing well, but the market is not catching up. This kind of reminds me, Danny, of uh, probably 1984 and 1994. We saw the same thing. Earnings did really, really well. The economy was doing well, and the market wasn't. So, does that mean that either we borrowed our returns last year when we had a next when we had a great year, or does it mean that you know through uh, 2018 and on that we're going to be better? Derek Felsky, who is the Chief Investment Officer at Annex Wealth Management, uh, is uh, teed up to join us here in a little bit. We're going to talk in more depth about that. Our Appleton listeners, we just want to remind you that next Thursday, next Thursday is Retirement Roadmap. There is room, but you will need to sign up, and you can do that via AnnexWealth.com. Again, AnnexWealth.com. You'll, uh, you'll land there, and you'll see Know the Difference. You get a plan. It is team. It is technology. It is trust. Again, it's AnnexWealth.com. Okay, we are going to talk higher education. Joining me, Mandy Nowashinsky, our tax planner at Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Mandy. Hi, how are you? Good. Deanne Phillips is here too, Director of Client Learning and Development, Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Deanne. Hey, Danny. Thanks for coming back. I've used 529s. My, my sons are now done with college. Yay. Deanne is a couple years away from using a 529. Mandy, mm-hmm. you got a little one, so you know it's coming. First off, can you give us that elevator speech on a 529, what that is? Sure. So what that is, is basically a college savings vehicle. You can put money in now grows tax-free and then you get to use it pull it out tax-free for college this is the quiz do you know how long they've been around i don't dan well you know what believe it or not i'm not that old mandy no actually <laughs> my daughter started in a 529 but there are tax perks which i'm sure mandy's going to talk about mm-hmm. too if you use the wisconsin one which is edvest and you live in and pay wisconsin tax do all states have plans yes all states have their equivalent of an edvest and it really just goes to who's sponsoring it or who's doing the investment management wisconsin has edvest and tomorrow scholar so they actually have two i think the more prominent one is probably Edvest. Yeah. But yeah, so Florida has one. Utah has one. They all have one. We should maybe skim over the details, but sure. I remember when we first started talking about, for our sons at 529, wasn't there some sort of like rough patch for Wisconsin? There there was, and that's, I would say, cleaned up now. Edvest, I think, is a very good institution, and that's why you see a lot more people putting money back into the Wisconsin plans. So why would I need to do the Wisconsin plan versus Utah, which I think is where we wound up? Th- that's where a lot of people actually yeah. wound up but yeah so it's to get that tuition that deduction for the contribution into the plan so if you put this year 3200 into Edvest you get a deduction on your Wisconsin tax return and you could do that per beneficiary so two kids you can do 3200 into each of their accounts actually you could do it four times if the for me and my husband are, 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 yeah, are married because there's no age limit on this so this is pretty cool you know I could do one for myself and for my daughter for my husband if maybe he'll decide to go back to school and use it himself <laughs> but if not we can roll it into hers but then we're max Maximizing our state deduction mm-hmm. and it's dollar for dollar. We talk a lot about now you maybe being careful of overfunding and education goals. You know, that's something you look at closer as you know the child gets closer to school. So these things when the money plops in, they all go into portfolios. 
those. Is that correct, Deanne? They do. So they're invested, and okay. there are a lot of options. So a very common option is the age-based allocation. So uh, the kind managers... Kind of like a target fund? It's right? like target a target fund for school, right. So that by the time the child is ready for that first tuition payment, it's much more conservative, and they're, they're figuring out uh, the cash flow needs. But it still needs to last them through four years, or if they go on, eight years, or however long mm-hmm. it's going to be. Can you get too aggressive in a, in a portfolio? Yeah, you know, if you don't, if you have an age-based option of zero to four, I think is that the first one, well, if you leave it in that zero to four age-based, and they're now 18, you're a little too aggressive because it's kind of on the individual contributing to go in and make those adjustments. Right. What Mandy's referring to is if you decide to take control of the investments yourself, mm-hmm. they actually have with the age range, you know, set it and forget it. They will automatically, as the child ages, put them in the correct allocation. That's like a target retirement fund, It right? is. Okay, yes. but the 529, you need to get in there yourself and change it? With Edvest, the individual. So instead of, you know, here at Annex, you have an investment advisor. Edvest is a little different. It's the individual who's contributing that can log in, put money in, see how it's kind of doing. They're the ones overseeing it and kind of managing it. But Tomorrow Scholar is a little different. That's the other option that Wisconsin has. We're talking 529s. Mandy Nowashinsky is here. So is Deanne Phillips. Is there a best way to contribute? Is it a little over time, monthly? What do you do? Either or. It's really dependent on cash flow. A lot of people set up, you know, bi-weekly contributions into the account. You can front load it. So you can put five years worth of your gifting limit into a 529 plan. And I know it's getting a little detailed. So you, if you would like, Danny, you can give me 15000 a year without having to file a gift tax return. What 529 plans allow you to do is put five years worth of that in the account. Deanne, as a, as a planner, is there a rule of thumb regarding how much of college should be taken care of via savings plan like a 529? Is, is your goal to fund 100% of your daughter's education? Uh, me personally, probably not completely out of the 529, but remember the 529 covers room and board also. So when you're looking at colleges, it's much more than tuition. Books are very expensive. There are fees that are attached. There's maybe a new computer. And the 529 allows those tax-free distributions on all of that. Sometimes we think about, wow, that's that's a lot of tuition to go to UW-Madison, but really we're undercounting. So I think it goes back to the individual. Um, there are a lot of people that come through our doors at Annex and say, I really want to help my child or my children with funding their education. But I think there needs to be kind of a come to Jesus moment where you sit and have that family meeting and you say, you know, what's your contribution going to be? There is a give and take. What we don't want to see are people raiding their own retirement Mm -hmm. fund at the cusp of retiring to pay for their kids' education because they'll need it. What about grandparents contributing to 529s? Grandparents like doing stuff like that sometimes. They do and they can. So you can set up I have a 529 for one of my kids. You can actually send an invite to have anybody contribute to it. So grandparents can contribute to the account and they would also then get the deduction it's on like their a, account. Is it GoFundMe for, yeah, for school? Yeah, there you go. Mandy, you spotted a recent change in 529s that, that you wanted to share with the audience? Sure, and that's just the contribution deduction maximization amount. And, you know, that's indexed for inflation. So a long time ago in Wisconsin allowed a deduction for contributions. It was 3000 Every year they increase it a little bit. This year that's 3200 And a lot of people may not realize that it actually increases a little bit every year. Tax stuff is hard. I'm glad you're so smart about this. <laughs> she is. She is. Uh, Manny Nowashinsky, tax planner, Annex Wealth Management. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for taking us to school. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. They are part of the team. Know the difference. Head to AnnexWealth.com. It is team. It is technology. It's trust. It's Money Talk for Saturday, June 2nd, uh, 1022 at WTMJ. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. Joining our merry band of travelers, Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. We pulled you off the golf course or are you golfing later? Later on. 
on today. Okay. Well, the weather looks good, so uh, hopefully you hit them straight. But lots of news to talk about. You know, Derek, you and uh, Mark and I have talked a lot about this wall of worry that the market continues to climb, and that theme has not changed. There's so many things that you can that you can look at. And in fact, here we are in earnings season, and people have talked about peak earnings growth, and they have put that as a part of the wall of worry. What is peak earnings growth? It's, it's the notion that things can't get any better than this for, for corporate America. And one thing I noticed this week, I mean, we just concluded the month of May, and typically what happens during a quarter is analysts revise their estimates lower. So since 2011, there's only been one quarter where after two months, estimates were higher for the current quarter than they were uh, at the beginning of the quarter. And and this month actually will be the second. Last quarter was the first. This month the second. So when you've already talked about the strong jobs report, so we have a strong jobs report, a strong economy, estimates are being revised higher. That is typically not the sign of a peak in earnings. Right. And so we talked about earnings and for many years, and I know we've talked about this over and again on the show, but we talked about what was called an earnings recession. In other words, earnings had gone down quarter over quarter, and now we've got these blowout earnings, and it's not just tax reform that is helping it. There's more to it than that. No, there has been you know, an acceleration in revenue growth. And one of our four pillars for the bull market has been the synchronized recovery, not just in the United States, but overseas. But as we saw early this week, that theme is becoming a little bit suspect, right? The, the, the situation in Italy, while it appears to have been resolved for the time being, just suggests that there are a few cracks in the in the Eurozone. And those may, you know, lead some, some business leaders to pull back on spending and the like. And let me just jump in. So not everyone knows exactly what's happening in Italy. So explain what's happening. Well, they, they, they had an election, and, and basically the, the forces that are suspect about the EU and Italy's involvement in it won the plurality. Even though the vast majority of Italians would like to stay in the Eurozone, the political leaders are starting to look, that, look at their debt burden and, and view it very onerous to deal with the, the euro currency in the, in the face of very large deficits. When you look at that, though, Derek, I mean, you're talking about the, the currency. If they would leave the euro as a currency, what does that do? I mean, Italy's the fourth largest economy in Europe. It would have certainly an impact, but maybe that contagion effect that Dave and I have talked about now for years when it started with Greece and then it became Brexit and then it became, now it's the Italians. So we're always looking at what's going on around the world, but getting back to your earnings numbers, I mean, that's what it's about at the end of the day, and it's, they, they've been good numbers. No, it is, and we've talked often about this being a bull market that people love to hate, uh, despite the performance of U.S. stocks since the bottom in 2009, uh, relative fixed income, international equities, money continues to flow out of U.S. equities. And one of our research partners has contended, and I tend to agree, that until we see money actually flying into equities, we see an IPO boom, we see M&A accelerating, you know, there's really no reason not to believe that the the longer-term trajectory of stocks is higher, that the bull market continues. And in fact, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of uh, J.P. Morgan, basically suggested the economic cycle is in the sixth inning. And what he basically said is the reason it has more upside is because there were lots of political mistakes, tax mistakes, overregulation, like all of which have been slowly being worked off. And he has been a guy that, that most people do listen to. He's a very public person. But one more piece coming back to the earnings part. Not only is this not peak earnings, it looks Looks like next quarter can be as good as this last quarter, and then we saw some estimates that went all the way out to 2019 
all positive numbers. They are. Again, one of our research partners was dissecting that. And essentially, the assumption for 2019 is that margins will continue to be near all-time highs and will actually expand. That might be, again, suspects. We've got a, you know, we're trying to look around the corner here. We've had a nine-year bull market. Many of our clients have expressed some level of concern that it's gone too far too long. We can continue to suggest that because we didn't don't see the excesses you normally see at a bull market peak, that it has further to go. But we're going to spend an awful lot of time looking for some of the, the fissures in this story as opposed to just you know sound playing the playbook that everyone else likes to talk about a strong economy and strong stocks is ultimately the stock market will discount a recession ahead of time and, and there's lots of things that we have looked at as long as companies mark sell more widgets and put more profit on on the bottom line then that's something we can value well i think that's the wall of worry concept i mean you've got things like inflation and you've got things like italy you've got things like trade you've got geopolitical you've got north korea and all those things are the noise, and they're worth paying attention to. I'm not saying you put your head in the sand, but at the end of the day, the reason we focus so much on earnings is the importance of what companies make, both in revenue and in terms of earnings, that's what drives stock markets. Derek, it's news time. Can you hang out for one more second? I certainly can. Okay. Um, one thing before news, I want to talk about, and get Ali Ali Oxen Free, I used on the radio uh, a couple of weeks ago with, with Tom Faza, and he said, I haven't heard that in 40 years, but but for our Appleton listeners, Retirement Roadmap is coming up. So this is Ali Ali Oxen Free. That, right? That's Norwegian for last call. No, right? that's German. Those German are your, for last those, call. Those yeah. are your, well, it, those is, are your it is last call because we've got uh, our Retirement Roadmap coming up at Butamore Country Club on June 7th. That's this week's folks. Thursday. That's Thursday. Thursday yep. And so there's about 20 spots that are left, uh, almost room, almost the room is full, but uh, retirement roadmap, a lot of forever decisions to be made right now. If you're a couple years from retirement or you're just contemplating it right now, it's a good opportunity to have a conversation with a qualified financial advisor who can get you some answers and get you on the right path towards making those decisions. Six o'clock, June 7th, Butamore Country Club, go to the events tab at AnnexWealth.com, get yourself signed up. And we expect it's going to fill up in the next couple of days. Sure is. All right, there you go, AnnexWealth.com, and then go to events. It's a conversation. It's about 90 minutes long, and we just hang out. It's it's going to be good. Retirement Roadmap in Appleton. Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management. That was pretty amazing, Derek. All the way through that newscast, you were uh, actually set up a putting green in the WTMJ studios. You're going to have well, a sharp game. It's a lot easier green here. It's a lot straighter. So, Derek, uh, we'll get off of golf for a second. But, you know, there is a lot of geopolitical noise that we did talk about, and it seemed to overwhelm the economic fundamentals. And we spent some time talking about some valuations. But there is a lot more that's been happening around the world that has caused some consternation about, you know, what's in people's portfolios. Should I own this? Should I own that? And Mark, this happens all the time, and, and we had a prospective person reach out to us this week. Well, sure. I mean, every every week, WTMJ listeners are picking up the phone and calling us and taking advantage of that free portfolio review. And part of that is you've done something. Your life has been some level of investing until this day. Wherever you're at, you've, you're at point A. You've bought some mutual funds. You've bought some stocks, perhaps. You bought this or that. You have that mishmash that we've talked about, Dave. And they've come from everywhere, Everywhere, right? right? I mean, yeah. you've met a guy here and there and, and met a guy and, playing golf or right. whatever and, the and, story is. And there's no strategy behind it. I mean, you own a lot of things, and some of it might be good, but it's part of that free portfolio review right there because that's where you get involved and your team gets involved with really providing some analysis of the existing holdings in comparison to the risk tolerance. 
And we had a pretty good exercise this week where we had a person come in with a number of positions. Yeah, and it, it kind of reminded me of that line from the Forrest Gump movie where life's like a box of chocolates. You just don't know what you're going to get. We had a prospective client come in. He had 200 individual stocks in his portfolio. He'd worked with four different advisors in the prior decade. I don't think he ever sold a single stock that, that he was advised to own. His risk tolerance was way out of bounds with a 100% equity portfolio. So basically what we do is we just apply a lot of rigor to the process. We go through each individual name. We score them based on the quantitative model that we use as a tool to winnow down a large list of names into a smaller list of attractive names, then apply some fundamental analysis to that, and, and basically go with higher conviction ideas and then balance out the portfolio with some, some exposure to small caps, international equities, fixed income, and the like. So now suddenly the guy's portfolio is in line with his risk tolerance. He can sleep at night. He's not just allowing all these stocks to just go up, down, and sideways. And, and we have a very concentrated portfolio that we can live with and actually feel really strongly about. And if you're listening to this driving down the road on this Saturday morning, this might be you because every time that, I mean, we have 100 meetings a week through our, our five, six branches, Mark, and this is a common occurrence. Well, what I get out of it is it's the process, right? Because what I've experienced in my career is that you have people who get in, involved with a new advisor, sometimes a salesperson, and they're just interested in selling a product. And so they say, every decision you've made up to this date was a bad one. So we're going to sell everything, regardless of whether it's up, down, or sideways. And they're looking at it not from a tax standpoint either. So, you know, you have a cost basis. You might have considerable gains in a winner. You've got to balance that against some capital losses, perhaps. Other things you can do to be tactical there, Derek. So it's not just about blowing everything out and starting over with a new model. There's a lot of creative things that we do with our clients by client, by client, by client, thoughtful processes to get them into the right pot. And, yeah. and, and by position as well. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and basically what we did with his portfolio is we, you know, we've tactically been overweight technology, consumer discretionary, financials, and healthcare for basically the, this entire year. And we've avoided some of the weaker sectors like energy and consumer staples. So, so when we look at a portfolio like that, we obviously aggregate them based on sector, look at it th that way from sort of a top-down basis, and then try to cherry-pick the best names f with taxes in mind, and, and generally just add oomph to the position positions we like and reduce and eliminate positions we do not like on a tax-efficient basis. A couple more questions I want to get to before you take off. There was this tariff tantrum that we saw this week, and we'll see if this actually happens, but this could be an issue. Yeah, again, I think this is all negotiations. It's public negotiations. I mean, certainly one way to get the attention of the Chinese is actually lev levy tariffs on your friends, like the EU, Canada, and Mexico. And while, you know, you could argue that steel and aluminum are last century's growth industries. It, it certainly suggests the Trump folks are serious about trying to renegotiate trade deals. In fact, I just listened to him on the lawn of the White House talking about potentially negotiating separately with with Canada and Mexico. And, you know, as a former business person, I, I certainly wouldn't want to make multilateral deals with my suppliers. I don't really know why as a country we want to do that either, other than to reduce the complicated necessities of doing so. Self-driving cars were a conversation this week. Well, they were. You know, Tesla's gotten all the, all the publicity, but, you know, these American firms like General 
General Motors, Fiat, and Chrysler, you know, are, are doing a lot on the self-driving battery-powered vehicles as well. So SoftBank invested over $2 billion in General Motors LLC. Which made that stock pop. Pop 14%. And basically Alphabet agreed to buy over 62,000 uh, minivans from uh, Fiat Chrysler uh, for a test in the in the Phoenix area for self-driving cars. So again... And, and Alphabet uh, is Google, which had Waymo, which was in yeah, the Yeah, Waymo is their division. Car. But again, it, it shows, you know, when, when, when we talk about being overweight technology, you're not only overweight technology by owning technology companies like Intel and Cisco. You actually, in many cases, are buying companies that are just technology savvy in different sectors of the market, whether it's Visa in credit card payments or, or some of these energy companies that are doing a better job of, of exploring for oil. It, technology is becoming more and more important, and, th- and that's why I think the weighting of the S&P of technology continues to go. It's up to about 25% of the market cap of the S&P 500 right now. Derek Felsky, Saturday morning. Thank you very much. Hit him straight. Our guest is Jason Gennier. Hey, Jason. How are you doing today? Not bad. You're a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, but there's more. Most people are content. They enjoy doing one thing, one, one line of work, but you kind of dabble in a couple. Why don't you give me that history? Yeah, kind of my background is I've been at Annex as a certified financial planner for five years now, and I have a background in law enforcement. I have over 25 or nearly 25 years in law enforcement That's now. That's not something you see a lot. No, and it kind of the way it, it grew was I actually did labor work as well while I was in law enforcement. So I represented police associations, police officers, and, and contract negotiations. Just kind of grew out of that because during contract negotiations, you do a lot of analysis of finances and city finances. And but you are still doing law enforcement. I am. I actually still work um, some evenings in law enforcement. I have an administrative role now. So you speak LEO. Correct. Law enforcement and, of course, our firefighter friends as well. We always have good humor with each other, but in the end, we're all on the same team. Let's talk about government employees, and they traditionally have strong benefits. Does that mean that they don't need a financial plan? Uh, they do need a financial plan, and that's actually one of the problems we run into um, as government employees, as we presume because we have a pension, we don't need a financial plan. A pension is only going to replace part of your income, 30, 40, 50, maybe 60%. So you still have that other 40% that you have to think about. The financial planning doesn't go away just because you have you know, an annuity, which is essentially what a pension is. To qualify for pension, is it 20 years for most? It really depends. You know, there's really four main pensions that we deal with here in Wisconsin. You know, the city of Milwaukee has their own pension, and there's different rules if you work in police, fire, or what they call general employees. The county of Milwaukee, Milwaukee County has their own pension system. And then the state of Wisconsin, Wisconsin Retirement System, has their own pension system. And again, in there, there's different rules. There's for protective employees, which are police and fire protective that don't pay into Social Security. So there's a lot of firefighters that don't pay into Social Security. They pay the Medicare portion, but they don't pay that Social Security benefit. So you have the state employees, which includes cities, towns, villages, and then our friends in the federal government. And there's different federal pensions as well. So there's really a lot of different moving parts with pensions. And you can't just be a generalist and assume that everything's the same. How much communication is there from the departments to their employees to kind of teach them? Because it sounds like it could be a little bit confusing. Yeah, you know, it kind of depends, obviously, on on the city, you know, the size of it, how complex their HR department is, tend to get our information from our coworkers, because that's who we trust. So other cops tend to ask their squad partner. If you're on a rig with another 
firemen or if you're in a teacher's lounge, you ask them, hey, what are you doing? And there's always, you know, one or two people that are kind of the money people at any, you sure. know, oh, any yeah. place. But the problem with that is you're relying upon them and their situation. And even if they're knowledgeable, they're not a professional. Right. Jason Gadeer is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, also a, a career in law enforcement. The 401k equivalent for government employees, that is the 457B? That's correct. Okay. I mean, what's the difference between those two? The difference is, you know, their employer based retirement plans. So 401k tends to be in the private sector, 457b, that's mostly the public sector. And then, you know, 403bs, that tends to be school districts, nonprofits, hospitals. In the end, they're all employer retirement plans, but there are differences. For instance, the 457b, the government employee plan, when you retire, you can start drawing on that benefit. Most 401ks, you have to be 59 and a half. So let's say you're a firefighter and you retire at age 54 and maybe you're going to work part-time. You could technically start drawing off that 457B. Now, whether you should draw off that and it's a good idea for your financial plan is a different question. As part of your client base, do you work with a lot of government employees? I mean, you speak this language for them? You can decode this? My role at the firm is really to work with a lot of government employees. So if a person comes in and they have a pension and their wife's maybe a teacher and she has a pension, I tend to end up working with those people just because I have a good understanding of how those benefits work into their financial plan. Emergency fund, uh, school loans, families grow, doesn't leave much room for a truck and a boat. Why is being disciplined so hard? It's just human nature, isn't it? It's human nature. You know, I think most of us, when we got our first good job, you kind of want to go out and reward yourself. And it's easy to see that, you know, a nice shiny pickup truck, you know, maybe that does work for you. However, a lot of times we got people coming out now that have quite a bit in student debt, not just in, you know, government employees, but any line of work. So we kind of look at that first to say, how much debt do we have? What's the interest rate? Does it make sense to maybe put off that, that new truck before you get these loans taken care of? Is the solution to pile up OT. That can be pretty lucrative, right? You know, the problem with relying upon overtime, if you start adjusting your lifestyle to that. So let's say you're getting a lot of overtime for one or two years and you go out and buy that truck because, well, you know, my checks are a lot bigger with the overtime. Well, if the overtime trails off, you've now adjusted. Now you have that lifestyle and your income doesn't support it. The other problem you can run into is if you get a lot of overtime, some pensions, either pensions based upon their base salary. So if you're making twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year in overtime, your pension is not going to be based upon that overtime number. So it's going to be a bigger drop off in retirement. It's a little bit more shock to your lifestyle. Jason Gadeer is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management and 25 years in law enforcement. So you speak that language of law enforcement or government employees. What are the steps you like to follow when somebody sits down for planning? Well, the first thing, obviously, is gathering the data, finding out where they're at in life, what their goals are. Do you have a pension? How long have you been on the job? And really just figuring out what they want to do in retirement. The other thing is, you know, you really have to have a plan. You have to sit down and have a financial plan and also an investment plan. You know, what's your investment philosophy? Should you have a Roth account or should you be putting more money into your 457 or your spouse's 401k? What about the kids' college? Should you be using the 529 plan? Should you be putting all that money into your HSA? There's all these different buckets that you would like to fill. We'd all like to fill. And then obviously the lifestyle things. Should we go on vacation? So you got to have a plan. You got to sit down with someone that can help you sort everything out and make good financial decisions. Jason Gadeer is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. He speaks law enforcement. That's kind of your beat. Thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you much. Mark Oswald is here and so is Dave Spano. You guys got to get me up to speed. Um, (laughs) Trade war, not trade war, probably. I mean, when will we know for sure 
uh, when like EU starts firing back or Canada or Mexico does something? Well, I, I do think that all of this is negotiation for sure. I mean, we saw that the North Korea summit is back on, and we see, and, and that I think you can make the argument that's part of the negotiations with China. I think what we're talking about with our partners, the NAFTA partners, both Canada and Mexico and the Europeans, if, if you pull them in as well, that could be part of the negotiations where Trump is saying, listen, I will not only put tariffs on China, I will put tariffs on our partners as well and in our, in our friends. So I think that is part of it. We'll see if any of this really comes to fruition. But there's certainly there's some local flavor to it from Cranberries to Harley-Davidson. Well, no doubt. And when you look at motorcycle sales, you look at our, our local company, Harley-Davidson, and they get it on both ends. I mean, they're importing steel to build the bikes, and then they're selling bikes in, in other parts of the world. You look at their sales, about 150,000 bikes here in the United States, but 45,000 bikes in, in Europe and Africa and the Asia Pacific and on and on and on. Those would all be bikes that would be subject to tariffs. And, you know, the Europeans picked that up pretty quick and said, okay, if you want to stop German cars from coming into the United States, don't be trying to sell Harleys around here. So, I mean, it has an impact. I mean, it wouldn't be a situation where you'd run out and sell all your Harley stock, but it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Well, most certainly. And we look at uh, what's happening here and, and we see because of those things, the U.S. dollar is helping consumers and it's helping companies. And, and we look right now and we look at one of those things, uh, what we call the fear and greed index, and zero is extreme fear. And 100 is extreme greed. And guess where we are? We are right at 50. Despite all of this wall of worry, we're right down the middle, right down the middle of the fairway. Despite all of this wall of worry between uh, what's happening internationally, you look at what's happening with the dollar, you look at what's happening with potential inflation and interest rates and Fed. And yeah. there is certainly a lot of things to worry about. But as you talked about early on, Mark, at the end of the day, companies are doing better. And because the valuations have come down and earnings have come up, we're now trading at 15 and a half times future earnings. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad at all. And you see a volatility index around 15, which is historically low, at least on the low end. But you look at your portfolio, and we always talk about diversification, and sometimes people in a social setting say, you guys talk about financial planning and asset allocation and diversification, but it's paying off right now for people who have had exposure to small caps and mid caps because of what's happening with trade and the strong dollar and, and you know even tax reform. So when you have a diversified portfolio, you have those large caps that have done extremely well. The United States large caps the last three years have beaten foreign, uh, uh, foreign markets. But the small caps are up right now. You look at a U.S. 10-year Treasury down to 282. So U.S. bonds did real, real well this week. So diversification does pay off, and it's being proved out right now. But it is a bifurcated market. There's no question. You know, we, we talk about the sectors that we overweight and underweight. Good and point. so you talk about real estate, utilities, staples, and telecom. They are continue to lag, and there's still not a lot of buyers in that area. And then there's an overweight in, for example, uh, financials and technology. And that's where a good advisor can help you yeah. because it is a bifurcated market. And you talk about large caps. Well, there's all kinds of large caps. And if you're overweighted or underweighted in a specific area, you may not be doing as well. Excellent point. And, and the, the, the fact is, is that active management, we talk about active management versus passive management. If you go out and just buy the index, you're going to get the good, the bad, and the ugly. When you have active management, hopefully you're working with an advisor that's going to keep you away from those sectors that don't do well, given certain economic conditions, geopolitical conditions, and other sectors that are going to do well. And we've had a great deal of success over the last couple of years with staying away from some of the sectors that haven't performed that well and being overweight in sectors that have done well. So it, it, not, it does matter. It does matter. Not everybody knows what 
they own, Mark, and that's one of the reasons why we offer the services we have over all of these years here on WTMJ. It's amazing when you have people come in and you ask them, why do you own this? And I don't know, a guy sold it to me. It, it's it's really interesting. So if you have never done it, take advantage of that free portfolio review. It doesn't hurt. You come in and we'll uh, show you what you have and do that x-ray and maybe give you you know give you that framework for that financial plan where you are today where you want to go it, it's uh it's free it's it's something that we do with our central planning department very very well and if you're interested in doing that go to annexwealth.com and while you're there take a look at that events tab we do have something coming up if you're in the valley going out to uh Butamore country club on the seventh six o'clock retirement roadmap and uh, one week from today, we're going to split the show. Part of it right. is going to be here, and then you will be out at um, North Hills Country North Club Hills Country for the Club. Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation golf outing. So the first half, I'll be there. Uh, hopefully, we can get Mason Crosby and some others on the air. And then the second half, uh, you and Mark. and uh, yeah. You'll be in the woods. Uh, we'll, or in the water. That's true. I asked the other day, I said, who's the second best golfer in this room? And there were four of us. And, of course, that was just a setup for, yeah. for him to yeah. nail yeah, Dave. I love so. he's so cocky. Yeah. All right. Best of luck with that. All right. See you in a week, guys. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.